By the grace of God, I also want to welcome those who are worshipping with us on uh, LiveGate Outreach TV, and uh, that is our YouTube channel, and uh, those who listen to the podcasts on iTunes, LiveGate Outreach Center is our podcast um, page on iTunes, and also on Buzzsprouts. We are thankful to God for these portals that we are able to put our messages. We have loads of messages on YouTube, about 200 messages are there. And uh, we have over 50, almost 60 messages on iTunes now. And uh, we want to thank God. And again, I want to thank the media people who work hard every week to make sure that these things are possible. May God continue to bless you all in Jesus' name. So we welcome you and we pray that God will continue to grant you testimonies in Jesus' name. We have started a series a couple of days back, a couple of weeks rather back, uh, on uh, developing the mind of Christ. In this church, this is a teaching church, ever since we started, we have always had a running theme that we concentrate and we teach on. You have never seen me come up here and just say today, I will just say what God lays on my heart, and I believe in that, but we believe in structure. We believe that God can impact us and build us uh, the way he desires to build us up. You see, we can get a lot of things in the concert halls. If you go to an opera, you can have listened to fine, very, very fine classical music and uh, the likes in operas. And uh, I've, I've, I've played in concerts as a, as a kid. I used to play the violin, believe it or not. And I was very good, but I've lost that. That's about almost 40 years ago now. So. <laughs> but I used to play in big concerts. And uh, we come together at schools and we play lovely stuff and uh, you can go to arenas and enjoy x-factor and you know enjoy entertainment and enjoy comedy and do all those things in those various places now not all those things are bad in themselves in fact some of them are good from time to time you can watch a good movie and just relax yourself all those things are good now but when we come to church the single most important purpose of church is to learn the word of god this is why the apostle says we must give ourselves continually to the ministry of the word and prayer. Because you can't do word without prayer. The church is a place where the word of God. So when, why am I saying this? When you are coming to church, make up your mind to want to come and hear the word. Thank God for the worship opportunities, the opportunity we have to worship God with our songs, worship God with our offerings, do all the things, have fellowship and see friends. All oh, that's beautiful, very beautiful. But make up your mind, empty yourself always, desiring the sincere milk of the word because this is the singular most important purpose for which God established the church, to be a center where his word is constantly being learned by as many that he has called unto himself. So we have started a series on developing the mind of Christ two weeks ago. I don't know if we've got the banner today. Thank you very much. You can see that if you can, where you're sat. We're on the third bit of the uh, series now, looking at what we titled on the banner, Bond Servanthood. But the title of the message is Becoming a Bond Servant. We said Jesus Christ came, and the first thing the, the Bible makes us to understand that he came and he did not take it as robbery, even though he was equal with God. He came in the image, he was in the image of God, but he came in the form of man to redeem mankind. And uh, two weeks ago, we saw how we are also now created in Christ's image. 
And last week, we saw that the Bible says the first thing he did is that he made himself of no reputation. He dropped down his titles. He dropped down his, uh, his nature of eminence, preeminence, existing before all things, creating all things, king of kings, lord of lords. He dropped all that because of you and I. The Bible says he made himself, he made himself of his free will and of his own volition, made himself of no reputation. I will learn from that that we also, for us to be effective Christians, we must learn how to, even though we are by the grace of God, people of reputation in diverse ways, people of worth, people of note, and we ought to be those. But for us to serve God effectively, we must learn how to keep making ourselves of no reputation so that our reputation doesn't come in between us and the will of God for our lives. But today, the next thing he said in Philippians, we read from Philippians chapter 2. I'll read it from verse 5 so that we can see how we are building up the series. Let's read together if you can see the screen. If not, you can open your Bible. Uh, we're in New King James Version. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let's go together. Let this mind be in you, which also was which also in Christ Jesus. Which was also in Christ Jesus. Let's read that again. Sorry, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, verse 6, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Now, I want you to read verse 7 with clarity. Verse 7. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of of men. So those three things are what we are looking at in the three weeks that we're in. Last week made himself of no reputation and we see how we can also break the stronghold of reputation. And then this week we are told that he took upon himself the form of a bond servant. And this is why we also must learn how to become a bond servant. So it's our emphasis today. So I'm going to be staying on that phrase, bond servant, throughout this few minutes that I've got to uh, share this with you. So we have learned all this. Now we need to know what a bond servant is. When the scripture used the bond servant, the, all the pretexts and the ancient texts from the Greek, the Hebrew, even the Roman cultures had some kind of definition of the bond servant. I won't bore you with that. You can do some research about it. But basically, all it means is that he's a slave. Most of us can relate better with a slave. A slave is somebody who no longer owns themselves. They are either compelled to become slaves, we have seen that in, in modern history of man, or they by themselves become slaves, offer to become slaves. Now, the word slave doesn't always mean the slavery of uh, uh, um, uh, impunity or the slavery of oppression. Where you work, whether you like it or not, they call you employee, but you are a slave. I know you don't like to hear that. <laughs> Anybody who works for somebody is a slave of the person. That's a simple definition. I know the word slave means many things, but in the, in the real test of it. Now, you gave yourself to that employer, and that's where I want to drive home the point. A bond servant that gives himself to an employer or to a master 
becomes an employee or technically speaking a slave of that master. So we can understand that person is subservient. That person is entirely at the disposal of this master. And so we must understand this and know very well that if the Bible says Jesus took the form of a bond servant for his own master, our Lord and our God, his father, we also must understand that we are called as Christians to also be bond servants unto him. In Roman times, that bond servant means somebody who voluntarily serves others. And this is important because the word voluntary there means that they give themselves. In the Mosaic law, Exodus chapter 21 verse 5, we're told that a servant can choose not to be released. He can choose to stay and want to continue to be a servant. And Exodus chapter 21 verse 5 says, but if the servant plainly says, even though he's been offered the freedom, if he plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. He said then, verse 6, to, to rubber stamp that and to make that a seal, he said, then his master shall bring him to the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him, what, forever. Now, I chose the Mosaic Law because a lot of the reflection of the New Testament is based on this law. Jesus came in Matthew 22 and he told us that the whole law, the whole Mosaic Law that you know is summed up in two laws. One, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul. And number two, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So everything is bound in those two laws. But we are told that the old Mosaic law was such that when you submit yourself as a servant unto, unto a, a master, that master can pierce the ear and say, you will serve me forever. Now, when we look at that in the New Testament context, when we say, Lord Jesus, I give my life to you and I come and I invite you to be my Lord and Savior, what we are saying is that I have now become a bond servant. So if we have committed to something, we need to understand. You see, when you employ somebody and they are not working to the terms of their contract, you call them for an appraisal. You call them and you sit them down and you tell them that as far as this job is concerned, these are your, this set of things or items are your job descriptions and you need to understand that you have to work in accordance with those things. If you are called to be uh, a person who handles uh, information and you process that to a computer at a desk and you're doing that and that's your job and um, suddenly your colleagues tell you that you, are making, you make good coffee and you make good tea every time you go to make. Now, if you now take that to be your job, you are playing with your real job. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You are distracted by something you might be doing well, but that's not your real job because you are not there to be serving coffee and tea. Even though your colleagues commend you for the coffee and tea you make, you are there to be a data entry person and you should be doing that. That's exactly how it is in Christianity. We must understand that we must work to the terms of the bond servant agreement that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ when we give our lives to him. 
The Bible in many instances referred to people who served God as servants. Simply, we know of Abraham. You can read his story in Genesis 26 verse 24. He called him a servant. We know of Joshua. His story is in Joshua 24 verse 29. We know of David. David, many places, the Bible refers to him as a servant. Amen. The Bible refers to David in many places as his servant. Second Samuel chapter 7 verse 5 is 1. 89 he said i have found david my servant and with my holy oil have i anointed him many of us skip to the anointing anytime we want to do anointing we say i found david my servant we don't take time to pause and consider the meaning of david being a servant before receiving the anointing now david is a servant he offered himself a servant, then he became anointed. So that we understand. And these things don't change as far as God is concerned. Even Jesus Christ, the prophecy about him as the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 11, refers to him as the servant who will come and take on the sins and the iniquities of the world. In all these instances, the term servant carries a very humble nobility. So when we say being God's servant, it's a very honorable position. This is not being a slave that is just meant to just serve errands. This is meant to be a representative of God. Even though he's a servant of God, he's meant to carry the word of God, carry the dignity of God, carry the honor of God, carry the power of God. When Jesus was leaving the apostles, he said to them, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. That means you will be exactly like me. Wherever you are, people will see me. Whatever you say, people will hear me. This is the position we ought to occupy as bond servants. But if we do not understand, we live like mere men. If we do not understand our placement in God, we live like people who have not the same promises that we have. May God continue to teach us from on high in the name of Jesus. Now Jesus taught a simple principle that in order for you to operate as this born servant, in Mark chapter 9, he said that the, for you to be the greatest in God's kingdom, you have to become the servant of all. Mark chapter 9 verse 33, the Bible says, Then he came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, What was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? Because they were arguing who would be the greatest. The Bible says in verse 34, let's read it if you can see it on the screen. It said, But they kept silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. Is it not typical of modern people? Always wanting position? Always liking position? We are, we are objects that gratify position and titles. I've been in meetings where people have been poorly introduced. Their full titles were not called. And they didn't stand up to, to acknowledge that. <laughs> because they didn't put all the chain of their titles complete. But the reality of it is that these things we get hung up on. But we don't need to be. We must understand that if we are seeking to be the greatest, and this again I will say to men, men, we must understand that life is not about titles and positions. Life is about locating the place where God has put you. When God positions you, you are perfectly positioned. I say when God positions you, you are perfectly positioned. Whether they call you MD or GM or director means nothing. As long as you are in the placement of God, you are best placed 
at that point in time. Enjoy it, make the most of it, and enjoy the presence of God. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not saying don't be aspirational. Be aspirational as much as you want to be. Go for the next things in life. Become what you ought to be in fulfillment of destiny. There's no problem with that. But understand very well that wherever you are per time is dignified enough. Wherever you are per time is good enough for you to be the representative of God that he has ordained you to be in the name of Jesus. So Jesus now sat them down, verse 35, and he called the twelve and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall do what? Be last of all and servant of all. This is the principle that they were all missing. They were all saying, I sit by the master. I should be the greatest. And I can imagine Peter saying, do you know when he called me? I am foundational in this business. (laughs) I was the very first, I was among the very first that he called. You know, and all of them will be arguing like that. And John will just sit down there. All of you are just talking. You know, I'm the only one that can lean on his chest and he doesn't talk. (laughs) So I'm the greatest. Everybody likes to be great. Have you met men in parties and they're introducing themselves? I am MD and damaging director. Sorry, managing director. (laughs) Hey, because we enjoy those things. We all want to be great. But the truth is, Jesus said, if you want to be great, be servant of all. Throughout the New Testament, we saw men who were calling themselves servants. And we saw that they truly served. Men like Paul, men like Timothy, you can read themselves, you can read about themselves, calling themselves in scriptures like Romans chapter 1 verse 1, Philippians chapter 1 verse 1, referring to themselves as servants of Christ. Servants of Christ. People like James, in James 1 1, also calling himself a servant of Christ before he wrote his letter, his epistle. Peter, also in 2 Peter 1 1, referring to himself as a servant of Christ. Jude 1 1, these great men of God that were inspired directly by God to write the texts that we are reading today as the Bible all refer to themselves as servants of Christ. As believers today, we must remain in the same spirit, recognizing that we are servants of Christ. I am making this emphasis today because the confusion in the body of Christ today is largely due to this. Many people fight and tussle over positions, over status, over things, over titles. And this has brought so much confusion in the body of Christ. The titles we award in the, in the body of Christ are to help us to understand function. If they call somebody a pastor, it's so that others can recognize that he has a pastoral duty. It doesn't make him better than anybody else in the congregation. No. But we have found a way to so elevate some people and put some people down. So they call somebody a pastor or pastor this, and then the person who sweeps the place regularly, making sure that we can have uh, service, and is not having a title per se, is looked down upon. That is not God's wish. That's not God's design. A deacon is not meant to be somebody who is, you know, a principality in a church. I've seen many churches where deacons have turned to principalities of the church. <laughs> when you are binding some principalities and power, they are, these ones are physical. <laughs> Deacon, elder, that, they are there to function. An elder is meant to give elder fatherly advice, motherly advice to those who are younger. He said, charge those who are older to go to those who are younger and teach them the ways. I've been in church life for almost five decades. There are some things, some of you here, 
will never experience that I have experienced because some of us have gone past those things and people ahead of us have cleared the way for some of us not to experience those things again. And there are some things here I can tell you in my own little experience, especially over the last 35 years or so, that I've really become as matured as I can be in the things of God and understanding more, that I can tell you that it it can save you five years of toil in this kingdom. Because there is a responsibility if you are in the place of eldership to do the same. But it is all about serving so that we don't get these things wrong. As believers today, we must recognize three things I want to quickly tell us. The first thing is that we must make sure that we renounce other masters. We must renounce other masters. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 verse 24, He said, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Please tell your neighbor for me, you cannot serve God. Say it as you mean it. You cannot serve God. Say it after me. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is not uh, an animal. It's not a, it is a spirit of money. It is the spirit that controls money and financial resources. We must understand that money and that wealth and the things that are controlled by that spirit are in constant competition. Many people are in ministry today in the name of ministry but they are serving mammon they are after mammon and i'll say this to the screen if you ever think in your mind that you want to to set up church because you want to make money may god have mercy on you and if you are in ministry today and you are abusing the privilege and serving mammon with god's money May God have mercy on you. This is the biggest problem in the body of Christ today. You must understand that the call to serve God is a call that requires you to serve God, whether as a pastor, whether as a brother or a sister in any department whatsoever, to sing in the choir, to serve in the usher, to serve in the outreach team, to serve in community projects, whatever thing God calls you to do, you are there to serve God and not mammon. We serve God and use the resources of mammon, money. We serve God and use money. We don't serve the two because we cannot serve the two. This is very important because this is one of the things, again, as I said, that have caused a lot of problems. We need to know how to renounce other masters. God told me, son, never ever stay, do, use ministry to do business. Instead, stay in business to do ministry. If you stay in business and you use the proceeds of business to do ministry, you are on the right track. But if you go into ministry because you want to use ministry to do your personal business, then you have missed the point altogether. This is why we are finding a lot of the problems today. We need people like prophets, like people like Samuel, who will say again, all of you should look. Have I ever taken your silver or gold? Have I ever come to covet anything from you? We need those kind of prophets again in our times. 
We need those like Paul's, Paul who would say in Acts chapter 20 that, look, you all are witnesses. As God empowered this my hands, that I walked and I produced and not only met my own needs, but the needs of those who are around me. We need more of such people. I believe that that is what God is raising in this church. Men and women who will demonstrate the integrity of the gospel one more time. That will not need to, to have to explain themselves that they don't need to take the money of the church because they are people who God will so bless in what they do in the mighty name of Jesus. I say this passionately because this is the first calling God gave to me. Raise with me a people of purity, power, purpose, and prosperity. The prosperity that we're talking about is not a prosperity that you are hearing all over the place. It's a people who have come from a place of a desire for God to the point where everything they are touching is turning to gold. Everything they are touching, like it was in the days of Isaac, is being blessed like never before. In the name of Jesus. Ever since December, November 2012, when I said, Lord, I'm ready to do this assignment. And we didn't launch until September 2013, of course. But ever since I said, Lord, I'm ready to do this assignment, he opened up the windows of resources for me. More than I've ever seen in my life, doors open of their own accord for me. I'm not saying this to brag. I'm only saying this to tell you that by the grace and mercy of God, if you believe what I'm telling you, it will happen in your life, it will be like a dream. I say it will happen in your life and it will be like a dream. In the name of Jesus. We need to understand that if we are to be bond servants, we must be bond servants indeed. Commit to God wholeheartedly. Don't do it half-heartedly. That's my plea to you. I have seen too many Christians over the years waste their life because they are half-hearted about it. This God is looking for people who are totally committed. When you are totally committed, he totally commits himself to you. People will work for you. I say people will work for you. Things will answer for you. But my plea to you is be a bond servant. Join yourself to serving this God in totality. The Bible says those people, they came of themselves. They willingly gave themselves under the Mosaic law. And they say, we don't want to be free anymore. You need to go to God and say, I don't want to be free anymore. Stop chasing money. Chase God. Money will chase you. Chase God and money will chase you. Read that in your Bible, Matthew 6, 33. It's very simple. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things shall be added unto you. So shall it be in Jesus' name. I say, so shall it be in Jesus' name. That takes me to point number two. We must give ourselves totally to him. Learn how to give yourself totally to him. Matthew 6, 24. Matthew 16, 24. Matthew 16, 24. The Bible says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Somebody say, deny himself. Take up his cross. Say, take up his cross and follow me. You must know how to deny yourself. At times in this kingdom, you have to deny yourself of food. You have to deny yourself of rest. You have to deny yourself at times even of intimacy, your, legally, uh, 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 your legal right of intimacy with your spouse. You have to deny yourself many things. At times you have to wake up at night and be dragged out to go and visit somebody and be dragged out to go and see somebody. There was one weekend just recently, just very recently, that I spent five hours of that weekend counseling just one couple. Five hours of my very precious time. Weekend times are very precious for me. If, if I can give you one hour I need, just know that you have really got a lot of my time to the glory of God. But five hours just to help a brother and a sister make sure that their marriage is back on track. That is what it takes. 
If it means I cut my sleep in order to be able to do that, that is part of denying myself for it. At times you go without, you spend your own money, somebody has a need, you are planning for that holiday and you have looked at all the pictures, everything has been so good, you have planned it, you have put away the money. <laughs> Suddenly there is a demand, <laughs> 500 pounds, 200 pounds, 1000 pounds. And then you go, you deny yourself, you put your money in that thing. I'm not saying you have to be doing that all the time before you go and fight your husband or wife. Husband and wife planning together. If you are saving together, somebody say if you are saving together, always discuss together. Don't say Holy Ghost, just move me to go and take the money. Eh, eh. Tell your spouse and say, honey, I have a feeling, I have an inspiration that we should spend this money to do this thing. If you agree together to do it, fine. If you don't agree, pray because it can be a problem. What am I trying to say? At times you deny yourself of such things. Because the work of the ministry for a bond servant is about denying oneself. He said you must deny yourself and follow him. May God continue to help us to be bond servants indeed. In the name of Jesus. Christianity is not a call to funfair. It's a call to warfare. And when we are in the warfare, we enjoy fun. We must un understand that when we are serving God and in the place where we are passionately following the things of God, God gives us joy. He gives us peace all around. Finally, my point, third point there is that we should emulate him by serving others. So the first point, renounce other masters, especially mammon. Number two, give yourself totally to him. Number three, emulate him by serving others. That is where we read. Those of you that are joining us on the podcast, we read in our scripture reading earlier in the service, John chapter 13, verse 1 to 17. And um, I want us to know Jesus was just showing an example there. Amen. John chapter 13, verse 3. He said, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, verse 4, rose up from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and guarded himself. After that, verse 5, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was guarded. Go straight to verse 14. He said, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. May God help us to follow this simple example. In the name of Jesus. He took off his robe just to say that a robe does not matter when it comes to being a bond servant. He took off his robe and guarded himself just to say, I must do this intentionally. I must do this showing fully well that I want to wash the feet of my disciples. I want to wash the feet of my brother. I want to serve my brother. Many times people say, I don't go to church because they don't love me there. Who have you loved? That's the first question. And I've always said the commandment to love has never said you should love because somebody loved you. There's nothing like that. We are the ones that formed it. You say, oh, pastor, I don't know. My husband doesn't love me. Love him. Love him. Love him. Keep loving him. Keep loving him. That's how God is keeping loving us. He keeps loving us. He keeps loving us. And the more he loves us, the more many of us are reciprocating eventually on that love. If he looked at us loving him first, none of us would have been here. 
But he looked at us in our sinful, pitiful state, and he kept on loving. He kept on loving. He's still loving as many who are still outside today. He's still loving. He's still loving. He's still loving. Hoping that one day, one day, that thing will come. We must understand that we must be in a place where we are willing to give love. We must be in a place where we are willing to serve others. If you come to a meeting of the saints with an intention to serve, you come with the right attitude. If you come with an intention to be served, you will miss the entire point. But I tell you the truth. If you serve, men will serve you. I say if you serve, men will serve you. These are all scriptural basics. The Bible says that whatever you give, it shall be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men add to your bosom as God will inspire them. Never be afraid to give good things. When you give money, money will come your way. When you give your time, God will give people, God will give you the time of people. God will invest in your life. See God. See this kingdom with a different perspective. We have too many Christians going all over the place. What about me? Like Joyce Meyer would say, what about me? What about me? Me, me. What about me, me, me? They say, sing a song. It's me, me, Lord, me. Any song that doesn't have me, me, they keep quiet. They say, me, 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 me. <laughs> it's not about you, 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 you. It's about him first. Let us decide in this kingdom that we're going to be radical servants of God. May God continue to help us. I want to leave you with one of my most favorite scriptures. I know you hear that a lot. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. Very simple scripture, but many Christians don't know this. Let's read it together if you can. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30. Let's shout verse 30 together. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Anytime anybody says around you that serving God is stressful, tell them you are not serving the true God. It sounds harsh, but read your scripture. The day I discovered this, I said, ah, I'm free. Never one day will I ever be under the stress of ministry. Never. My wife is downstairs. She's not here. When you are going, you can ask her. Since this work started, has Pastor ever one day, one day, missed sleep when he's supposed to sleep? And then you woke him and he said, what is it? And he said, ah, I'm so confused. Never. When I hit the bed, I say it's time to sleep. When I hit the bed, five minutes maximum, I'm gone. I may not sleep for more than two hours because I want to wake up to pray or do other things. But when I want to sleep, I sleep. Because I understand that his yoke is easy. His burden is light. If I'm carrying heavy burden, that means I have not gone to him. He said, come to me. Anytime you feel the heaviness of life, go to him quickly. Go to him. Don't wait. Why are you waiting? Can you carry it? You heard that report. You heard that news. You, and then you sat down by yourself. Like, uh, <laughs> you can't do it. You quickly go to him. Say, Lord, this is overwhelming. And then you encourage yourself in the Lord. And that's it. From there, you bounce. From there, you are strong from there you are empowered may god give you the revelation of these truths in the name of jesus 
when I found this truth, I wish I can tell every pastor I have ever known and everyone I will ever know. Anytime I go for a minister's meeting now, if I'm giving five minutes to share, this thing comes out. This one and the one that says, when I sent you, Luke chapter 10, when I sent you out two by two, did you lack anything? And they said nothing. Since that day, I know that everything I need part time will always be supplied by God. I say you will never be in lack. I say you will never be in lack. I didn't say you will not be in want. Your mind will want things. Your flesh will want things. But God knows the things that you truly lack. And you will never lack them. I say you will never lack them. In the name of Jesus. Whatever you need per time, God will continue to supply to you. Just know that all you need to do is to be a bond servant indeed. Romans 6.22. He said that we now, having been set free. Are we Romans 6.22? Can we project that? We can't. We've lost the projection. Romans 6.22 says, But now, having been set free from sin and having become the slaves of God, have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Know fully well that this journey doesn't end here. The journey doesn't end here. We are pilgrims in this world. We are pilgrims in this world. This changed my life last week when it came to me, when I read that place in 1 Peter 2, 22, and it says that we are pilgrims in this world. It came to me afresh. When you are a pilgrim somewhere, you are not there forever. You enjoy the place. I've been to pilgrimage, as they call it, in Jerusalem many years ago, almost 30 years ago. Now, 1998 is actually 30 years ago. Am I correct? 20. 98. 20 years ago. Eh? 20 years ago, 98, I have to count now, 98, 2008, 2008. <laughs> okay, 21 years ago. <laughs> when you are getting old, that's how you have to count so that you don't confuse yourself. Anyway, we went to Israel. We were pilgrims. Nice place, six weeks, nice trip. But I, every day I was looking for those days, we could not phone. I could not tell my wife everything I was experiencing every day through like a mobile. There were no mobile. I would go to a phone booth at the end of the day and I would describe the place to her. We've just been to the Dead Sea where you, you, you float and you don't sink without swimming. She says, wow, I wish I could see that. I said, we've just been through the Jordan River. Can you imagine that? I stepped foot in the Jordan River. She says, wow, we've just gone to the mountain where Elijah prayed. At least they told us that's where he prayed. And we went there. And she says, wow. But as a pilgrim, you are excited. You are, but your mind is home, 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 home. And one day, we got on that flight back to Tel Aviv. That was the day God spoke to me about ministry by chance, by stroke of coincidence. And we got on that flight I was waiting to get back home. You and I are pilgrims in this world. We are going to leave this earth one day. Even if you live to be 200 years old, one day you will leave and go back. Don't live here as if you are going to be here forever. I've seen people fight over positions, fight over positions, and 10 years' time they are retired. And we go for their party and give them one wristwatch. I say, God bless you. <laughs> and 10 years ago they were fighting as if that would be where they would. It's not worth it. It's never worth it. Rise to your feet and let's appreciate God. Well,